Thanks for tuning into the Hidden Tracks podcast. You can find us wherever you find podcasts or listen to music. When you have an opportunity, please give us a five-star review. Write a little note. Tell us how we're doing. We really appreciate it. It helps us keep this thing going. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us at Facebook at Hidden Tracks. Instagram is at Hidden Tracks 99. And if you'd like to send in submissions or talk to us or give us any feedback about what we're doing, our email is MyHiddenTracks99 at Gmail. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Here we are again. Another edition of Hidden Tracks. I'm here with Matt from the awesome band Hurry. How you doing today, Matt? I am doing pretty well. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, like I do, diving through Bandcamp, I came across your stuff, uh, then realized you were in another band I used to love, and just made me have to reach out to you and find out everything that you're doing and why you're still creating fucking awesome music. So, welcome to the That's show. That's cool. I, I didn't realize... Um, <clears throat> you found me on Bandcamp. That's, that's very cool. That's how I find most of my music. I spend a lot of time on there trying to find something that catches me and then I'll listen to every single thing there. And then I usually end up being someone who needs a physical copy of something. So I purchased to help support you guys. So that's great. But again, welcome to the show. I'm really honored to have you here. So why don't you give me a little background? I know I don't want to tell the story of uh, Hurry, but if you want okay. to give a quick synopsis of uh, how this all came together. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. As you alluded to, I was in a band uh, before Hurry that was called Everyone Everywhere. And, um, you know, in that band, I was, uh, you know, we were all writing the music together, but I was playing bass. And, um, or, you know, about 10 years ago now, I just started to kind of get the itch to write my own songs kind of outside of that and also like play guitar more um just because when you're playing bass in a band you get kind of stuck in it um sometimes and so i just started writing songs on my own um at home and recording little demos and you know it was just one of those things that like added up over time and then once i had written enough songs i just felt like why not try to make my own record and why not try to play some shows? And it, it, you know, it started very unintentionally and very casually and, and, um, kind of just, um, kept going from there. Well, I'm glad it did because I, I mean, what's, what I love when I find something that I just attached to, I, I started to coin this phrase. It gives me a nostalgic feeling. It <laughs> brings me back to a time, but it, what's coming out is new. So it's not it's not like a a nostalgic act. It's just taking you know the old an older sound that I loved and just making it relevant and again. And right. that's why I, the nostalgic thing is what I go off of when I'm like I started to listen to. It. I was like I was like fuck. I forgot how much I miss this sound of music. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I can really relate to that. I, I feel like. And maybe this is just true for everybody, but I feel like most of the new music I get really into is something that kind of reminds me of something else and to your, you know, doing something like a sound that I feel like I'm, uh, I'm missing or like, you know, um, 
but yeah and i think that informs a lot of my writing too yeah and i mean there, there's that time like I, i've said it a couple times on here when they're like oh there's a revival of something I'm like it's not a revival the music never fucking went away people were still creating that music just you weren't listening to it at that time. So when you find it, you're like, oh, it's a revival of a an emo revival. And like we're right. on the 23rd revival of emo now, whatever. But it, it's just like it's it never went away. It just wasn't in the forefront and it wasn't, you know, in front of you at that time. Yeah, right. It's probably also just generational too, where, you know, like when anytime something like that happens, I feel like it's just because the right amount of time has passed where the people who are now making music are the ones who were listening to like the last version of it. Yeah. And, and that's like what informs the way they think of songwriting and um, like what, how, how things sound, you know, like <laughs> I, I think that's ultimately why my music sounds the way it does is because I grew up listening to a certain kind of music. And when I sit down to write, that's just sort of where my head naturally goes. Yeah. Now, when you're growing up in music, I mean, those are the, I, I start out, there's two huge moments in your life. It's the first time you hear music and then the first time you find your own music. Mm. Do you remember the first time you heard music as a child growing up and what maybe it was? Um, my earliest musical memories are, I had, um, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, cassettes were still a thing and when i was like probably like four or like uh you know pretty young i got like a. my family used to go on car trips a lot because my grandparents lived up in new york state and um i got a little fisher price like walkman basically that could play cassettes and i remember um i had two cassettes one of them was like the beach boys greatest hits and the other one was dangerous by michael jackson was it um, was it the orange beach boys greatest hits one the 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 outside of the cassette was orange cuz that was my first tape ever i don't remember i i <laughs> i i like i want to tell you what i picture in my head when i think of it but i like to me i just see sort of a photograph i could even be completely making it up but uh <laughs> I did a good story, (laughs) whatever it was, it was the beach boys like hits. Um, and, and yeah, dangerous for some reason. I like, I don't, I don't know why I got either of those. I think it was just my parents decided that's what I should listen to. (laughs) They were, they were in the, uh, the bargain bin. That's why (laughs) (laughs) that could be true. Now, when you started growing up and, and, finding out what music was all about do you remember like the first thing that you were able to buy the do you remember the first cd or tape that you bought yourself yeah i do um it was i it was dookie by green day um and it was because it was sort of simultaneously like my introduction to you know punk alternative music um in general where when I was in second grade, when Dookie came out um, and I had a friend in second grade who had an older brother who had the tape and the kid brought it into school and he had like a a Walkman and uh, he was passing it around and like, we were all taking turns listening to it. And the main attraction we were listening to for was because um, in the song Longview, they, they curse and, uh, (laughs) 
were we were in second grade so everybody was like oh my god you got to hear what they're saying in this song and uh but i you know that alone it was like so cool and i never heard music like that before so um i don't really remember like the conversation that led me to it but um i did end up getting the the cassette of dookie um my parents must have bought it for me and uh so that I, you know, I didn't spend my own money on it because I was in second grade, but um, that was the first wish sort of, list. That was the first thing that like I actually wanted. Yeah. Now, where did I mean? That's a pivotal moment, and it I, every time someone says a grade they were in when they got something, it just makes me feel old. I won't tell you what grade sure, I was sure. in when Dookie came out. So, but it's just. Did that start to open a rabbit hole of music for you in second grade? Or was it just like, I'm listening to Green Day for now. And then when did it start to, you start to find that, it's usually start finding that tunnel of music that you're going to gravitate towards for a while and stay there. Yeah, it it was soon after that. And I don't, I don't know like how, I, I think just like from other friends, I found out about um, around that time there, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Okay, so like down by Philly or like more north? No, outside of New York City. Okay. Anyway, and around that time in like the starting in like the mid '90s, maybe a little before, um, there was a radio station in Philly called Y100, um, and it was just sort of like an alt rock station. So it was playing all that stuff, um, you know, and. So around that time, I, I think I started listening to that radio station um, all the time. And, you know, whenever when I would have like sleepovers at a friend's house or something, we would listen to that station all night. And um, and that's where I started to sort of like just hear all that like now seminal like 90s indie or not indie, but like alternative rock um, music and like learning all that stuff and finding out about all those bands and um you know, which led to me, you know, getting more CDs. Uh, Dookie is actually the only cassette I ever bought because it, it was like right when the transition was happening. Um, but yeah, it was it was like that was sort of where the continued education came in, like early in my life, and all that stuff just started like soaking into my brain. Is that when it started to feel important to you? Like it was? Did, did it create a, a sense of of being when it came to music? I know there was for me growing up there, sometimes it was like you were with your friends because you all like the same music. And it's almost, you know, it's like still to this day, you go to a concert, you're just friends you haven't met yet. You're all there for the same thing, you know, but was it like that? Did did it start to, did you gravitate towards people that had the same likes and music as you did? Um, honestly, no. And I, I think the reason for that was like at that time, um, you know, like that music was sort of the pop music of the day in a way. Um, Definitely, yeah. So like, because I was a kid, I, I guess that was just sort of like what most kids were listening to. <laughs> um, just because that was like the most popular music. So, you know, everyone listened to Nirvana and everybody listened to Pearl Jam and, uh, you know, Stone Temple Pilots or whatever. And so I think I, I didn't really make friends that way until you know, you hit middle school or something. And that's, I feel like that's where like the crux of like pop music slash like, Oh no, my identity is this music 
and it's no longer just i don't know you start to make friendships more that way at that age i think i was just too young to really discern friendships based on like taste in art you know yeah i i think i'm still maybe too young to discern friendships based on art but (laughs) (laughs) i i was really i was friends with uh the kids who lived closest to me and my parents friends kids yeah (laughs) that's true whoever you could ride your bike to uh you know it was you know and ask someone to come out and play those were pretty much your friends until you got a car yes exactly so when when did you start to really get into when did you start to play music what was it did you have the crazy piano lessons like 90 million of us had to take or were you able to choose your own path um i chose my own path um i did do like you know in in elementary school i played the viola in like the in when i was in third grade and then in fourth and fifth grade i played the trumpet like i did that stuff but i you know i didn't like I think I knew I liked music, so I just wanted to be in the band, but I never like connected with those instruments in any way. It it felt like homework a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't really good at them either, but it's funny. Cause the thing I sort of just talked about with like that moment where your friendships start to split and like you start realizing that stuff more. I, when I was in like sixth grade, I think like one of my oldest childhood friends got a guitar and uh, one of my other friends who he was kind of friends with had a drum set and there was we were like oh we could start a band or something and so i bought a bass guitar because i was like well that's what they need and uh and i took some bass lessons and stuff and then we would get together sometimes um and keep in mind we're in like sixth grade so like our parents are putting us together um (laughs) but and we would like try to have like band practice or whatever and you know, they just wanted to like try to cover Led Zeppelin songs and stuff. And I feel like the, in those moments in a sort of subtle way, I was realizing like my interest in this is different from their interest in this. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, so I, I didn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on what I was really feeling at that point, but, um, yeah, around that time is when I started getting into like, oh, let me try to play the instruments that these musicians I admire play. And, um, you know, and I took lessons, but I like, I, I, even even lessons on guitar felt like homework to me. And I never really tried and I was never even really very good um, at any of them because I, I wasn't motivated and I didn't really know what to do. But um, But yeah, like middle school was definitely when I sort of got guitars and started to like, think about how I might be able to um, make that stuff a a bigger part of my life. Now, you and your two friends, you had to have had a name of name that band. Oh yeah. We had a name. What was the, what was the name of that band? It was called Inferno. Oh, all right. It's not as terrible as most of the first bands that I that I get out here for first names. Not bad. Yeah, Inferno. It's not it's not that embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing if you were to have seen the three of us, you know, and uh <laughs> I don't think we really embodied uh the vibe of Inferno, but <laughs> it seemed like it seemed cool. Now, when you started doing this up, what was your first live performance in front of like 
strangers or cl- did you did you have any the first time you performed live was it uh as a you know middle schooler or something was it a talent show at school Ooh, um i don't think i like you know save for like school band stuff um i don't think i performed in front of people until i was in like 10th grade um there was a pretty long gap from when i like got a guitar until i actually had a band and and songs and like was ready to play do you remember the the first performance you ever i do yeah it was um so i actually joined um i can't remember it was either 10th or 11th grade I, i i can't totally remember but um I, I, uh, there was this guy in, in, I took this weird class called information technology, which like was not a real class, but they had a screen printing machine. So we would all take it. So, cause, so we could bootleg band t-shirts. <laughs> um, but there was, uh, there was this kid Luke in that class who I was like, got to know a little bit and he told me how he had a band and they needed a new singer and guitar player. and. I just volunteered myself even though I had never played guitar in a band before and I had never sang in a band before. Um, but I volunteered myself and then I went to the first practice and, you know, it was rough and we sucked, but I just started trying to like fake my way through everything and figure it all out. And, uh, and that band was actually everyone everywhere. Like we weren't called everyone everywhere, um, but it was all the same people. Uh, just in like a different configuration. Um, what was the name of that band? That band was called Modera, M-O-D-E-R-A. Um, and and it was our first show with me and the band was my first show ever, which was at like, a, it wasn't like a VFW hall, but it was some kind of hall for somebody, um, like an Italian social club or like some kind of thing like that. <laughs> um it's in, where all great it, bands start though yep. yeah 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 it was in <laughs> it's funny because i like back then there was an italian social club in like west philly that like everyone dreamed of playing at like all the kids in the suburbs like it was just cool diy shows there but uh but yeah my first show was in westchester pennsylvania at whatever club it is i think it was like an irish american club or something uh someone would know uh if i if i ask somebody besides me i'm notoriously i i don't remember the 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 most detailed details of stories mm. now after having that performance do you remember what it felt like when the performance was over for you um I was it was exciting and I remember, you know, we were old enough then where people started to have like uh digital cameras that could like take video. Um and so, some people had taken I I remember there being some videos of the show and I just remember uh being really excited and, you know, um it definitely feeling good and exciting and and invigorating and I wanted to do it more like um definitely like had the bug at that point yeah and well i'm guessing everyone else in the band did because you went on to 
continue to create and create a bunch of awesome stuff. And, you know, many years later, here we are, uh, right. continuing yeah, yeah, yeah. to create. <laughs> so that feeling had to have been exhilarating, which is, which is awesome. And for what you're doing now with, with hurry, I, I mean, if, if someone, you just met a stranger and mm-hmm. you told them you were an artist what song of yours would you play for them that that you would say, "Hey, here you go. This best describes what I do." Mm. Wow. Um, I think I might play them the song, a song called "When I'm With You," um, which is from a, an album we released in 2016. Um, only because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guided meditation. Only because I think uh, people seem to like that song. It's been in like some TV shows, and like I feel like that song has been successful. So my gut is to just assume that that's the good one to show people. <laughs> um, and then you know, I think like my artistic answer is uh, probably um, the song "It's Dangerous" from the new record. Um, fake ideas just because i think it's like the most like modern uh uh up-to-date uh example of sort of what i'm trying to do it's a banger of a song so i mean thanks yeah you're picking wisely but it's hard because you know when you're like someone writing music like usually the newest thing you made is your favorite thing and that's because it's the newest thing and it's most representative of sort of what you're into in the moment. So Mm -hmm. it's so easy. Like I always just want to say whatever the newest thing is um, because, you know, when I listen to like songs that are older that I wrote a while ago, um, you know, like your life changes so much over time. Sometimes you're like, it doesn't even feel like me or like, it doesn't feel like I wrote this song, you know? No. And, and that's where, you know, a lot of times when people you know, start to fall in love with an artist or music. And that's where, that's where things change. And and you'll find people will be like, ah, I like the old shit. And it's right. like, well, that's great. It's always there for you to listen to, but just like you, that person who was writing those songs is having different life experiences and growing older. And guess what? Things and responsibilities and thoughts change. And that takes a hold of your writing style and they're allowed to do that. So don't, I hate that old, you know, stigma. Well, I like the old shit better than the new shit. Well, yeah. Okay. Sometimes bands do go off the deep end at times because they think it's time to experiment way too much. Sure. Um, Sure. But, and there's certainly like cynical releases if, if, if a band is like extremely popular and just trying to kind of keep the, uh, the cash flow going or something like there's certainly examples where you can point to like new material and be like, this is bullshit or something. But, um, but I, I make this joke all the time. Anytime I'm like recording a new record or like in that like long process ahead of the record and people are like, how is it? What do you think? Uh, like the, the quip I always make is that I think it's good and it's my favorite thing. And I was like, but, every band you know who's ever released a bad record probably also thought it was the best record they've ever made you know (laughs) because it's just like it's just natural like when you're writing and you're making something new like you're making it because you want to and you're excited and it's like representative of what you're feeling and what you're into but to your point like you know 
if people like the old stuff, they may not connect with that. And they're going to be like, this band sucks now. Uh, so it's a, it's like a funny, it's a funny thing. Uh, I don't think people who are like fans of music always like think about that unless it's a band that they're like, so like, so super dedicated to that. Like they, they're so like empathetic or whatever. Do you have any bands like that, that you're super dedicated to that you're empathetic about if something comes out and it's not that great. You're still just like, ah, well, you know, it's, it's where they are right now and I'm just going to learn to love it. Totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think like the Lemonheads are a great example of that, um, where I don't actually think they have any bad records, but I, you know, I don't love like the first like couple like super punk ones, but, um, you know, the, the Lemonheads as we know them, uh, you know, that's like w- with Evan Dando's like issues, I feel like there's like always a handful of songs on every album where you're just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Um, one of his, one of his issues just popped up because I was supposed to see him and the show was postponed. So yeah, and, yeah, and I heard some stuff that happened in L.A. from people who were at the show. So I was like, ah, oh, looks like the Jersey show is probably not going to happen. And sure, shit didn't happen. It was supposed to happen on Thursday and it didn't. So I'm like, Fuck. yeah, I don't know the details of what happened, but I do know, um, you know. And I I was actually talking to Lauren from Warriors about this because we were just on tour together a few months ago. Um, and they were talking to me about those shows coming up and how they were excited to play with the Lemonheads. And I told them, like, I saw the Lemonheads in December, I want to say, like mm-hmm. this, just recently. And it was like, you know, I'm a diehard. I love, as we were just saying, I have empathy and everything. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, uh, like a pretty awful performance, um, you know, which I don't say lightly and I say with empathy but uh you know he just seemed like he was in like pretty rough shape and uh hopefully he's like doing all right but yeah i, I mean i hope so cuz i i mean i was i was in denver and i'm i went to see uh jawbreaker and descendants mm-hmm. face face sam i am out in denver and sitting with two guys they're like yeah no you know we're here from la we're here to see the show they're like oh man let me tell you about a show i just saw i was like what they're like lemonheads we were there two nights ago and I got to tell you, I was like, don't tell me, man, I'm supposed to see him in two weeks. <laughs> and then they tell me the story and I was like, there's no way the show is going to happen. And mm. yeah, sure enough, but maybe that uh, sucks. You don't have to drag it out, but I'm after we record maybe I'll ask you what, what the story was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, but they're a band like that musically for sure. Um, bands like teenage fan club. Um, One of my favorites be- of all time. Totally. Like I will always listen to and love what they put out, even though it, you know, it's changed so much over the years and, uh, guided by voices is like a band that I always give every album a shot. And even, even when one doesn't connect with me, I can still look at and be like, you know, I get what's happening here and I yeah. respect it. Uh, like well, Pollard writes so much stuff and, and that's always been my thing. I'm a huge GBV fan as well. Like you're, we're yeah. hitting on the same, same bands here. And like, I remember the first time I saw him in the nineties and I've just followed everything ever since. And I was, I was a huge Tobin Sprout fan too, all of his own solo stuff. And then like Pollard writes 5,000 songs a year and decides to right. record all of them and put them out under something. And I'm like, how, how can someone do this totally. while drinking, taking bottles of Jack Daniels to the head every day? Like, I, I don't, I, I don't get it, 
But, you know, <laughs> you got to weed through that because he writes so much stuff and he puts it out under so many different monikers, Not you know, that, that it's like, how do you keep up with guys like that? Yeah. And, and I mean, like, yeah, but it's amazing because, like, they, they, he, he especially will still put out records where, like, there was one last year that was called um, Earthman Blues, which was, like, a very strange album. And it had a lot of, like, weird orchestral moments and... It was kind of all over the place, but I like really loved it um, so much more than like more of the, some of the straightforward rock stuff they've been putting out recently. Yeah, and he's also got a you know a younger band of brothers now too who are bringing more of that rock style to to what he's writing to. Totally, yeah. I think when like Doug Gillard is in the band, he just wants to rock. Yeah. Well, that's got a nice little uh, pairing of things that we're into together there. So sure. Uh, and just talking about shows, I mean, do you remember your first concert ever? Were you dragged to it by your parents or something, or do you remember? Yeah, I was. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was the Beach Boys at the Valley Forge Music Center in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Nice. Yeah, I wish that was my first one. What was your first one? My first one was Kenny Rogers, dragged that's to like, by my parents. That's not so bad. Yeah, but I was the Beach Boys are my first band ever like the first okay. thing that was my first musical memory was the beach boys and that was why i asked you but because i remember the first thing i asked for as a, as a small child like five or six years old was a beach boys tape and that's why i remember getting the greatest hits and it was orange and i still have it to this yeah, day. yeah. it doesn't play wow. anymore but i still have it but that's why i asked no <laughs> yeah remember it, i remember the show being cool uh, i mean i don't remember like so I remember like moments of the show. Like I remember when they played Be True to Your School, like a squad of cheerleaders came out and like danced around for the yeah. song. Um but uh and it Consummate was in a showman. Yeah. And it was yeah. in a venue where the stage was uh was round and the stage rotated the whole time. Like it's very slowly. Um yeah. so I, I you know, I remember like that about it. Um but I wish I remember more because, you know, as someone who like grew up as a fan and then like continued to be a fan as an adult and like learned more of the story and, and about the individuals and their solo material, you know, like it's crazy for me to think that like, I did get to see like the beach boys with like Carl before he died. And, and, yeah. you know, but I was too young to like appreciate that that was what was happening. Uh, but yeah, yeah but you still I, have it in your life. It's still a moment in your life that you have that no one can take away, which I, I think that's the kind of stuff that's awesome about that. Totally, totally. But yeah, that was my first, uh, the first concert I ever saw. How about the first concert you got to pick? Um, I think it was probably, uh, it, I, I want to say I was either in, eighth grade or ninth grade i definitely couldn't drive yet um but it was the get up kids um hot rod circuit and super chunk uh and they played at the electric factory in philadelphia and i remember my friend's dad drove us into the city for the show um and yeah, that was, I think that was my first one. And then like right around that time too, I went to my first DIY show, um, which was at a, at the Wayne Presbyterian church 
uh, outside of Philly and uh, Me Without You played. And it was actually their first show. Wow. Um, and I went, I went because my cousin was friends with Me Without You's drummer. Like they're from the same town. And uh, it was one of those things where it was like, well, Matt, you're into music. You should come see my friend's band play. Um, so I like didn't even know the band. I just like went to the show because I I knew there was like something happening and uh and that was like also a mind-blowing experience in a different way just to see like people like moshing in the like multi-purpose room of a church you know <laughs> um, yep. but those are the first two I don't I can't remember the exact order that they happened in but they were around the same time uh, listen those are great first shows so that hot rod circuit get up kids when i saw them it had to have been the same time because they played bowery but it was it wasn't super chunk it was uh at the drive-in young at the drive-in hot rod oh, circuit and get up kids yeah yeah it's crazy now to think that like super chunk opened that show yeah because like you know now if you put that same show on i feel like super chunk would be like the clear headliner not not that it's like a competition but they're just like to me super chunk is this like seminal band now and it's it's like it's funny that they just had like a 30 minute opening set on that tour yeah they're and they're one of those bands that i mean they've been around forever and they i i just think they were always on that edge of Mm -hmm everyone knowing who they they were like they were just always right there about to be a band that everyone you when you would say the name super chunk would know but i they just never got to it you know like they were on the lines of dinosaur junior where you can say dinosaur junior and a majority of people know who they are they may not know their music but they know the name and i think super chunk was like almost right there to do that same thing and it just never it didn't happen but they, yeah they're fucking awesome i guess too that was sort of like in between eras for them i you know like because it was like after like the old seminal stuff and it was before sort of like the the newer stuff they've done in the last decade that i feel like has like kind of reinvigorated them kind of similar to dinosaur jr really uh similar like paths i guess but anyway but yeah those are the first shows i saw and uh I wish I had knew Super Chunk back then, but I had no idea who they were when I went to the show. <laughs> Do you have a favorite show you've ever attended? Um, I do. Um, I mean, there's there's probably a lot, but um, the first one that popped in my head that was kind of an obvious one was I went to like uh, when Brian Wilson did like the Pet Sounds 40th anniversary tour, or I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like him and Al Jardine went around and, and played the whole album. Uh, that was definitely a, a, a pretty memorable uh, thing for me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like the first time, like seeing I, Pavement at those reunion shows was like really amazing. I went to a couple of those because um, that was a band that I just like never thought I would get to see and I'm a huge fan. So it was like, I feel like that's like a perfect scenario, you know, when you, you've you spent like <laughs> many, many years loving a band and then you get to finally see them. Uh, and uh, so that was really cool. Also, I went to like that first My Bloody Valentine reunion in New York in like 2009 or something. And um, that was definitely a wild show. Um, 
those are the first that are popping into my head. Yeah, getting to see like the bands that I mean that literally just happened for me, you know, weeks ago when I was in Denver for I, I like the lineup for me was one of the things like I'm old. I was around when the Descents were playing and I had I just never got to see them. And mm-hmm. you know, I never got to see the true nature of the band and I was like Face to Face is one of my favorite bands of all time and Jawbreaker's doing Dear You. I'm like, and Descendants are opening and Sam I Am's fucking, I'm like, I, there's no way I can miss this fucking show. I don't, I don't care what I have to do to go to it. And like being able to see the Descendants when it was over, I was like, I was like, wow, that was, I'm so glad I've loved them for so long and I never got to see them. And that was a big thing. And like you, you for pavement, like, and then I think back to, I saw pavement for $11 at Roseland ballroom in 1992. Right. <laughs> and right. it's like thinking about that kind of stuff where it's like, guessing i did probably take it for granted being 16 back then and and going to see that show and and just being like how amazing they are and how big influence they have on so many people but they haven't played in forever and it was a big thing when they were doing reunion shows like just being like fuck never thought you'd get to see this band and having that moment to be able to see them there's almost nothing in the world besides the place going on fire or you know having what just transpired in the world and everything being canceled. But just that moment of hearing that first chord come in and just being like, fuck, I'm getting to see this. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I had a lot of experiences like that in the last like 10 or so years, you know, cause I feel like a lot of those bands came back and, you know, dinosaur junior came back, pavement came back, the pixies came back, uh, you know, you name it. Um, yeah, so those are all like cool. I mean, and also like I, you know, seeing some like legacy musicians is also. I mean, I guess those other bands are technically legacy musicians yeah. <laughs> also, uh, but like even more like you know like seeing like Paul McCartney or Bruce Springsteen like those have been cool experiences. Also, um, I don't like go see tons of of those, but you know the ones that I feel like are like quote unquote important. Um, yeah, ha- it, being able to have the opportunity to still see it before it's gone totally thing. yeah so those that's all been like super cool um uh, the another really good i don't know if i should keep talking about great shows i've seen but uh i saw like kendrick lamar play uh right after damn came out and that was so good um yeah i don't know uh I could I could continue to think of things for the next couple hours. <laughs> I could just... sit here and talk shows all the time. I mean, I yeah. go to literally was at a show last night, a fucking amazing show. Was that awesome? Had an awesome round of uh, sneaky show. I'll tell this story because anybody that's going to okay. be listening to this, um, go down to Asbury, uh, Asbury Lanes, and to go see The Darkness. And I'm stoked. Oh, nice. And I've seen The Darkness so many times. They're one of the best professional bands I tell people to see. Even if you don't like their music, fucking unbelievable. Like I, love, uh, un- I love that guy's TikTok channel. Yeah. <laughs> Justin's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. But as we're... I'm eating dinner and walking across the street in the Wonder Bar, and all of a sudden I see uh, Chamberlain's playing. And I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't know they were playing here. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I love that band. And I was like... All right, well, it's not like I can see them anyway. Show ends at uh, the darkness. My friend's like, let's go grab a beer at Wonder Bar. I was like, all right, yeah, that show's probably over. Walk in. Chamberlain hasn't gone on yet. Whoa. And I'm just like, wait, is this for real? 
So like I walk out of one show at a venue, walk into another venue to see another band that I absolutely love and then just fucking killed it. My wife's looking at me the whole time. She's like, you are so excited right now. And, and I was the DD. I was, I drink gallons of water <laughs> and she's like, you're, you're dancing around like you're drunk and you haven't had a drink. And I'm like, you know, I know I'm like, this is, I just went from one awesome show to another awesome show unexpectedly. This is the greatest thing that could happen to somebody <laughs> like me. <laughs> Yeah, I've had, it's funny. I had a similar experience in Asbury. I, that's like an Asbury Park phenomenon, I think. Uh, like we, I remember we played the lanes once and I walked outside after our set and Marshall Crenshaw was playing outside at the Stone Pony. <laughs> so I just, we and just everything's like, so close right that. there. That's what's awesome. Like you got the pony, you got Asbury Lanes and the Wonder Bar there. And then if you go a little bit further down the street, now you have House Independence, which is you know, right. getting big. But yeah, wow, we can we can go on about shows. But I had to tell that story because it was just crazy for me. And I absolutely, I was like, this is, and my friends are like, dude, this is awesome for you. I'm like, I know it is. Just, it's it's a good night. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. So how about your favorite performance ever? Do you have a, a performance that you were a part of that just stands out in your mind that like that was, you know, one of the greatest shows I could have ever been a part of? Um, yeah, I mean, there's like different versions of that answer for me because, um, you know, there's some experiences like when everyone everywhere went on tour in Europe, um, you know, we, we ended up playing a lot of places that were just really unbelievable. Like I, I, we were on like the Southwest coast of Italy and we played this like outdoor amphitheater on a mountainside where you could see the ocean. And, you know, it was just, you know, it wasn't like the most amazing show in the world, but it was just sort of like an unforgettable place. Um, so, you know, there's things like that and, and, and like that show always sticks in my memory. And then, and then, you know, there are like amazing experiences like playing, um, we played the exponential music festival in, in, um, in Philly a couple of years ago, um, which is run by WXPN, which is like a big, uh, independent station here. And, and that was like, you know, in our first experience ever, like playing a big festival stage and, you know, kind of like being on the festival grounds and all that, like behind the scenes backstage stuff that happens and like people go golf carting you around and, Um, so like that, you know, that's like really fun and wild and, um, surreal. And then, um, and, you know, and, and also like the tour we just did this, this past February, March with, with Brian Fallon and Warriors, where we were playing, um, just like huge legendary theaters, like playing town hall on Broadway in New York. And, um, you know, things like that are just amazing because you're, you're, you know, you're like walking back backstage underground and town hall on broadway and and like seeing all the mirrors with the light bulbs all over them and it's just sort of uh it's like out of the movies and so like you know sometimes setting can can make things really memorable and then but then there's shows like um there was a diy venue in philadelphia called everybody hits um that was a batting cages that um a guy who's now a friend of mine david gavigan opened um and he just started letting people do DIY shows in there at night because he was kind of, this place was kind of like right in the center of where a lot of the in, indie music was happening in Philly at the time. And um, we played so many shows there 
as hurry just because like when we were a younger band there was it was just like easy to book something and it was a really nice atmosphere but so we did a lot of like record release shows there that were like really fun and well attended and and a lot of friends played and then um that venue ended up closing uh january 2020 like right before the pandemic started so it was our last show before the pandemic was also the closing of that place but it was a really like unforgettable night where it was kind of like sad and celebratory and um you know a lot of like friends and people from like the music community were there and um so that's like another thing that that's that kind of sticks out and like that's like the more emotional answer of like favorite show but like i don't have any shows where i'm like man we really played well and i'm gonna remember this forever you know <laughs> like none none of them are none, none of them come to mind you like, no not not really all right now that I, I it's it's funny because you know sometimes when you're you're just stuck in that that moment of you're playing your show and and you're doing what you do and when it's over it's over and some people can just be like all right cool and on yeah, to the I, next thing i'm notoriously uh hard on myself in, uh, with that stuff and i'm you know i have a reputation in the band where you know we'll finish a set and we'll be like back in the green room or whatever and the rest of the band will be like man that was great we sounded great and i'm i'm just thinking like you're all out of your mind that was the worst show we've ever played you know (laughs) uh so i you know i get in my head a little bit uh sometimes i'm not the best judge of of that stuff i mean and that's coming from other things that you do like your music videos and stuff that's hard to to think because it's you have a lot of fun doing other things, whether it's you know your posts that you post on social media to what you do with your music videos. So that that's I mean that's that's different to hear. I mean because it l- seems like you you just have a lot of fun doing other things and you're very creative in your writings um, and funny about it. So the fact that you, you're hard on yourself and and you take that serious, it's it's hearing that is different than what I see. Yeah, well, that's good. I th- I think I try to keep it that way on purpose. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just uh, trying to manifest uh, that, I guess. But I I do have fun. I'm not. It's not to say I don't. But I think, uh, especially like live, um, it's really easy to sort of like, you know, when I'm up there, kind of like think. I'm getting a vibe from the crowd or think people aren't into something or, uh, you know, that I, I, I can get in my head sometimes a little bit with that stuff uh, during a show where I'm just overthinking a bit. And I just am like, well, they all might hate this, you know? And I, and I don't even think I pay attention to how we're playing at that point. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of up there doing something. Uh, but, um, but I know it's good and I do have fun and I love like writing and making videos and I, I love playing. Um, I think like part of the thing for me that took some time to get over is just like hurry is the first band or project or whatever I've ever done where, where it's like 100% me. Like I write all the music and I write all the words and I, you know, sort of like put the band together. And so like it's, added pressure uh, so, on yourself that 
you know that there's there's it's not that that cohesive sharing of responsibility you're putting all that pressure on yourself to make sure it's you know right and it's also so easy to then make anything bad that ever happens feel like a personal judgment of you uh because it's so like wrapped up in in you as a person that it it can be hard to separate sometimes so i think that's like why i would often be harder on myself um i don't have as much trouble with that these days um definitely something i have tried to work on uh to avoid going completely crazy yeah listen i i 100 completely understand same thing with this show when i'm done you know i've had interviews and i'll be like wow that was fucking terrible i don't know what i was saying i don't and all of a sudden i'll get like a message oh best interview ever man that was so awesome you guys sounded like you had so much fun and i'm like what it was fucking terrible what are you listening to right and then it's just me being hard on myself because there might have been a moment where i just i may have fucked something up or something like there was one show i'll never forget like i didn't know the guy was in a band that i had absolutely loved and now he's just started a new band 15 years later and i had no fucking idea and there was no way to find out it was just like i'm like how the fuck did i not know this and then i'm like beating myself up for like two days straight like right. i sounded like an idiot not knowing that yeah it's really easy to be hard on yourself oh absolutely i mean it, it you can you can find something about yourself to pick on at every, any moment of the day uh, and that, oh, it's yeah. hard to get to get out of your own head that way definitely all right, let's let's move on to some fun questions. Seventeen okay. years old, you just get your license. You go to pick up a friend. What was blasting on the radio? Um, at that time, it was probably like Thursday, or um, yeah, full collapse by Thursday. Um, probably some Get Up Kids, um, something to write home about. Um. Probably some like, man, what what else? Uh, a lot of like funny hardcore, not funny, but um, you know, like back then I was listening to like Bane and awesome band, con- awesome yeah, band con- from Boston, Converge and um, like American Nightmare. Um, that whole scene like was really big at the time, and and um, I feel like in my school at least like the kids who would listen to like Bane and Converge would also listen to like more like the emo stuff. And, um, we were all sort of like cohabitating that space. Um, yeah. Cause I was also listening to like newfound glory and, um, taking back Sunday bands like that. Um, so it was definitely a mix of, of, of like all that like hardcore and emo of the time. Yeah, well, because emo was originally called post-hardcore, so it just, you know, it it can fit into that hardcore, you know, level. Like, that's I went to Furnace Fest this past year, mm-hmm. and I was like, why are there so many emo bands at a hardcore festival? I'm like, post-hardcore, dude, that's what emo was in the late 90s. It was right. called post-hardcore. I'm like, they're yeah, allowed I mean, to play, to, <laughs> play together. And the, yeah, I understand why it, like, feels weird, because sometimes the vibes are just so different, but... um but I, you know, people would still like mosh and like hardcore dance at, at like get up kids shows and stuff, you know, it was like very, yes. <laughs> a very strange crossover. If you had a theme song 
every time you walked out into public, the song came on. Do you know what song you would pick? Oh, man. Um, you know, picture you're in a sitcom and you're just stepping out your door and the song comes on. I, wow, that is such a hard question to answer. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I want to say it would be like some very like nice, uh, like jazz clarinet music, <laughs> some, <laughs> you know, something that would put people at ease and maybe yeah, make me feel classy. good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the real, I feel like, uh, you know, I hope the answer wouldn't be something embarrassing. Like if it was out of my control, but, uh, <laughs> you think somebody uh, would pick something weird for you if they, if they had a choice? I don't know. I'm, I'm like picturing the powers that can create this, like want to make fun of me, <laughs> but maybe I'm, I'm going to stick with the, the gentle clarinet music for now. I think that, that, that would be nice. I would, I would like that. It wouldn't bother anyone, but it might relax you. All right. Do you have, do you remember the last song that you cried to? Ooh. Um, or band, if you don't remember the song specifically. Yeah. Let me just think for a second. The last good example, I, 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 the last good example I can think of, um, was listening to the album songs from Northern Britain by teenage fan club. Great album great album I, th- I think that's my answer all right <clears throat> world's gonna end in five minutes meteors coming crashing to earth and you have to listen to one song what one song would you listen to <laughs> uh i think if i'm being truthful i would never figure it out and i would just die <laughs> uh, well, that's what i say i'd be scrolling for five minutes to find the perfect song to die to but, yeah, I wouldn't. I I would be too stressed <laughs> out. I wouldn't be able to pick pick something. Uh, so I'm going to try to overcome that and give you a hypothetical answer. Um, I would probably. Hmm, I'm trying to think of something upbeat, just because I feel like I would want to just kind of like not listen to sad music in that moment. Um, maybe I would listen to. Uh, I'm going to say American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I feel it. like it would I feel like it would get me in a, a better headspace. I maybe mm-hmm. would kind of forget for a second. Now, what you just brought up a a, a good point. Like what do you use for mood, mood music? Like if you're if you're sad, do you listen to sad music or do you listen to upbeat music to get you out of that sadness? Or does it depend on what kind of sad you're in? I think I usually avoid very sad music when I'm feeling very sad. Um, I think more often if I want to like medicate that feeling, I'll listen to like angry music or, um, or music that's like a little more like devil may care, you know, in its Mm -hmm. attitude. Um, cause sometimes I think like being angry can kind of like shake you through some sadness depending on what is going on. Um, but I don't usually like, pile it on with with more sad music um every now and then but not not normally um it just sometimes feels like too heavy to do that for me um was there a second half to that question no it was you know i i just my thing is you know sometimes there's different kinds of sadness as i say like you know 
remembering a loved one is a different kind of sad than being totally. sad because your dog just died. You know what I mean? Like there's different kinds of sadness that, that, that perpetuates what type of music you may listen to in that mood. Yeah. I, I, you know, I have a hard time like listening to music when I'm feeling like true grief, um, you know, in those like sort of worst case examples that you outlined, things like that. I, I think a lot of times I feel so fragile that like I can't listen to anything because it'll just like tip me you don't too want it far. To you even more, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and you know, like even like when the pandemic started and I was like freaking out about that, like I was really not into music and I wasn't like playing my guitar or anything. Um, I definitely avoid it in those moments. So I think like the stuff I'm talking about is when you're like maybe a little more like superficially sad, like, you know, a person you were dating upset you or, uh, yeah. Stuff like that. Like that, that stuff I I'll tend to like, you know, I would maybe put on like, uh, definitely maybe by Oasis or something and just sort of like really lay into the, the way that those, those guys don't care about anything and they're just yeah. like, <laughs> letting it rip you know and and you kind of like live through through them vicariously do you have um we're kind of moving away from the term guilty pleasures um Mm -hmm. i've you know you get to a point in your life where where nothing's guilty anymore so we just call them pleasures but something that do you listen to something that someone would be very surprised to find out that you get tons of enjoyment out of listening to it like k-pop or something or like um, I don't know if I, there's anything so surprising. Um, and mostly because of the thing you alluded to where I just feel like people don't even bat an eye anymore. Um, yeah. but you know, I think honestly the answer would be like a lot of that, like slightly more cringy, like emo and pop punk I listened to in like middle and high school. Um, that's something where like, Every now and then I'll, th- I'll, I'll throw it on just cause I want to hear it and feel nostalgic. But like, I do think like, I really hope no one sees me listening to this or like, you know, like, it, <laughs> cause it just, a lot of it can feel so juvenile sometimes, uh, that you're, you're just like, uh, my friends will definitely make fun of me if they hear me <laughs> listening to this music right now. Yeah, well, well, that's what I say, and and I still try to to point it out. Like I'm trying to get rid of the the term guilty pleasures, um, and just call them pleasures because. But I still feel that there's that moment when you you're listening and someone just like walks in on you, right? And you're like, you could be screaming at the top of your lungs, and someone's just like, "What the fuck are you listening to right now?" Well, yeah, it's because we're it's because we're old, so yeah. like. <laughs> It's like, it's really bad when you want to listen to music that was like made for teenagers when you were a teenager, but you're like, you know, in your mid thirties listening to it, people are, that that's when people start to wonder about you, you know? <laughs> and that's fine. They can wonder all they want, but yeah, I always invite people just come through my music, look through all my, my CDs, my tapes and my vinyl collection and you will every other album be like, what the fuck? Right. Just be like, what? Like it's music. Just fuck off. Yeah, that's the right attitude. That that's good. You seem uh, pretty secure. <laughs> yeah, I I am, but I'm not too. Like someone walked in and watching the uh, Taylor Swift documentary on the folklore recording on mm-hmm. Disney Plus or yeah. whatever it was, and I was just like, oh, sorry. Like, what was that? I was like, nah, don't don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> 
It was nothing. It was no, it was a commercial. There was a commercial. <laughs> decided to turn the TV off real quick. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. So you got your stuff then. Yeah, there is some stuff, but it's okay. But it all comes down to, again, for me, a good song is a good fucking song, no matter who fucking sings it, writes it, plays it. A good song is a good fucking song. Yeah, it. 100%. All right, well, we're coming in on some time here. I don't want to keep you all night. So before we get into our last segment of our weekly threes, uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find, to follow all the stuff that Hurry's doing, all the stuff that you're doing, all your fucking handles and stuff like that. Yeah, we're um, at Hurry Band, um, wherever applicable. Um, And honestly, that's the best way to keep up. I mean, hurry.bandcamp.com. But social media, I think, is the best. If you follow us on uh, Twitter or Instagram uh, at Hurry Band, uh, you'll you'll know if something's happening. Yeah, and and what do you have coming up? Or what are you working on? What 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 are what can we expect? I know you got a show coming up in the summer in Asbury, right? Which... Yeah, um, we just finished that tour not too long ago. So right now, um, my goal is to like I'm about halfway through writing um, a record, so. My goal is to continue doing that and and finish uh, another album. So um, I don't. There probably won't be like a ton of shows this year. Um, but so yeah, it's it's a little quieter live wise. But um, we're working on some new stuff. Awesome. All right. So here we are in our final segment. It's our weekly threes. It's three things that you're listening to that you would like people to check out. Oh, great. Let me pull up my uh, Apple Music app. I still haven't gotten in a habit to write in the chat bar here to say pull up Spotify or Apple because a question about your music listening is coming up. I got <laughs> to um, be more proactive. We're, we're almost 100 okay. episodes in now, and I need to be more proactive about that. <laughs> uh, all right. Something I've been listening to that I want people to check out. Uh, I've been listening to um, the album Phase Shifter by Red Cross. Um, which is a band that like I never really dove into until now. And that's cross um, with a K, people. Cross with a K. Yeah, and it's it's red with two D's and cross with two S's and a K. Um, so that has been really cool. Um, I think uh, I've been listening to the new Super Chunk album so much. I know we already talked about Super Chunk, but I actually mm-hmm. think the new one, Wild Loneliness, I think is maybe their best album ever. Um. I listen to that all the time and I've been listening to let's see what's my last thing here that I want to shout out I would say you know what I'm gonna say Earthman Blues by Guided by Voices uh I think if I, I especially I think if you're someone who like does not keep up with Guided by Voices at all um and and like it's been a while I, I think in my opinion, Earthman Blues is like the most interesting album they've made in a long time. And it, I think it's like really, really good. Awesome. Good three. Thank you. You're welcome. And my three for this week are, as always, no particular order. Horror My Friend um, It is a band. The name of the album is called Home Life. They're an Australian noise rock band, I would guess. If you're into mm. early hum, maybe check it out. Next is a band called Painted Light. Uh, the album is Comfort in the Consistency. Uh, they're from Texas. It's kind of a, 
want to say a mathy dream pop if you could put that in there i know i don't got to give you something to to think about when going to listen to music um and last but not least uh lizzie farrell an album called bruises uh uk artist uh it's alt rock brit pop put together undeniable voice uh really really awesome stuff so those are my three for this week I don't know any of those, and I will check them out. Awesome. But, Matt, I want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you for uh, the music you put out that made me uh, find you and reach out. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, I really appreciate your artistry and what you do and continuing to create and keep creating, and we'll keep listening. But Thanks. Thank you so much. It's really nice, and uh, I really really appreciate that. Thanks uh, Thanks for asking me. Well, it's our pleasure and everyone out there in the world, you know what to do next. You go out, you listen to Hurry and have a great fucking time.
Thanks again for tuning into the Hidden Tracks podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Hidden Tracks ninety nine. Also, send all your submissions myhiddentracks ninety nine at gmail dot com. Tune in next week. You may find your new favorite band, and don't forget to go out and have a great fucking time. <laughs>